The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. This is the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. And welcome to an Employment Law Show designed just for you. So uh, feel free to make that phone call and talk to us, 416-870-6400, 416-870-6400. That's a number to call in and ask your questions. And John Pickus is doing the show tonight, and he is ready and armed to answer all of your questions, whether it's about uh, COVID-19, maybe a vaccine question, going back to work question, doesn't matter, bring it on, or just old good old-fashioned severance question that's okay 416-870-6400 it is uh, 707 so we're just getting rolling lots of time here on a monday night and help at employmentlawyer.ca for the email address as well john what do you uh, what do you got going for the week that was brother how are you i'm good i'm good we've got lots to talk Beauty. about and uh, there's certainly still a lot of anxiety out there um as we're you know slowly making our way out of the pandemic. A lot of people have questions, and we hope uh, that people will ask those questions today on the air because uh, here's an opportunity to uh, ask them. You can do so anonymously, and we are happy uh, to talk about that. But uh, just to get started, a few situations that have come across my desk in the last week. So the first situation involved a gentleman who'd been employed for a very short period of time uh, for a software company, only about two months. He was hired on as what they called a a consultant and treated as an independent contractor and was supposed to be hired to work on a particular project that was scheduled to be done in February of next year, 2022. Uh, And although he was treated for all intents and purposes um, as a contractor, he he really was just another full-time employee. I mean, this was really... Um, just a, a, a charade. He was he worked from home, uh, just like the rest of us, or like most of us, uh, to the extent that we can, uh, are doing so. Uh, but he also uh, took direction from the company, uh, didn't work for anyone else, uh, had a company email, and had almost none of his own expenses. Uh, so he really was a full-time employee, but he didn't last very long because after about two months, the company decides, well, this isn't working out. We're going in a different direction. It turns out, actually, we don't need a consultant. So they terminate his, uh, his uh, contract, they call it, without cause, and they tell him, well, pursuant to the independent consultant agreement you've signed, you get two weeks pay, here's two weeks pay, get lost, thank you very much. This person, uh, fortunately, was a listener of the show and had a good feeling that the company had been illegally treating him as a contractor, which is true. So he went on the severance pay calculator and determined uh, that he was entitled to as much as two months' pay as severance. Well, actually, it turns out that he was half right, because being illegally treated as a contractor, um, that termination provision in the contract was not going to hold up, and he was going to be owed severance. But as a matter of fact, since this was a fixed-term agreement with a fixed end date, this person was entitled, entitled to the entire balance of the contract, because that was the contract that they breached. And for this person, that was over uh, that was over $80,000 more than they were offering him. So thank goodness he contacted me as we're going to help him negotiate a much more adequate severance package uh, than the one that he was given. And, and this really is only fair to him because I got to tell you, in the circumstances, he left a fairly lucrative project uh, to join this one. So he's pretty upset about what happened, and I'm, I'm glad that we're going to be able to help him. Now, of course, the obvious lesson here is do not accept a severance package. Don't sign nope. anything. 
until you speak with a lawyer. But the other lesson here that I cannot stress enough is please, please be careful before you sign an employment agreement. I know people who are often able to negotiate with their employer if they have leverage to do so. Sometimes you can negotiate so there is no termination clause. If you have any leverage to do this, you don't always, but if you do, please do so. You will thank yourself later. The fact that it was a he left a, as you call it, a lucrative position, would that enhance the severance at all? You know, in some circumstances, uh, it would uh, if it's a long-term position. In this case, that doesn't really have a whole lot of relevance because that lucrative position happened to be another contract. So there may be an element of misrepresentation to this. But uh, in, in this case, you know, he, he kind of knew uh, that he was taking a risk, but... Um, you know, to have it only uh, to to have it over after two months—that certainly wasn't what he was expecting. But no, you're absolutely right. In certain situations, if you leave a position thinking that you're going to a secure job or secure contract and it doesn't work out, there might be uh, a greater severance entitlement or even a misrepresentation entitlement. Again, four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred—the number to call through four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred with your questions. Uh, number two, what else you got going on, pal? So the next case I want to talk about is someone who's working for a retail company for about 20 years as wow. a purchasing manager. And his company was recently bought by another company. All the assets were purchased. And it turns out the new company was not terribly interested in having a purchasing manager as they already had a centralized person to perform that function. So the new company, the one that purchased, again, the old company, his, his employer, uh, the new company does not offer him a job. And what the old company, the company that just got sold, tells him, it says, well, you're not our problem. You, you should go seek a new job with a new retail company. This poor guy, he comes to me and he says, I don't have a job. I don't have a severance package. Well, what am I going to do here? This isn't fair. And the reality, of course, is this person is entitled to a severance package. Uh, when your company is purchased and the new company, the purchaser, does not offer you a new job, generally speaking, and with very few exceptions, it is going to be the previous company, you're, you're the one who has always employed you, that owes you the severance. And whatever agreement that might exist as part of an asset purchase agreement between your old employer and the new company coming in, it's really not your problem. And, and that is the case here too. So this individual is owed his full severance up to 18 or even 20 months pay. And we're going to help him get what he's owed. 416-870-6400. We always roll with the calls first, top priority. And uh, first up, Jamie, thanks for standing by. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for taking my call. Um, now, in my situation in my workplace, um, I've been feeling like I've been bullied by my coworkers, and I've gone to my owner, and he really doesn't seem any seem any interest in helping me resolve the situation. So it that definitely sounds like I'm in a toxic work environment, and and there's many times of um, I'm being verbally abused, um, being shouted at. Um, so when you're when someone's shouting at you, you know, in front of um, customers, um, that's not a real good, acceptable way to interact with somebody. And there's a lot of that going on. And 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 the management seems it doesn't really have any favor of resolving this. And I'm wondering what can I do as my rights because I feel like this is a more of a situation where I'm being um, ignored. I'm sorry to hear that, Jamie. That that sounds like a very unpleasant situation that you're in, and you mm -hmm. are right. Yeah. As, as yeah. an employee, you, you have the right to be free from harassment and, and 
uh, and verbal and emotional abuse uh, in the workplace. You know, there is a certain degree uh, of, you know, unpleasantness that may go along with certain personalities. But once it reaches the point where it's actually making it difficult for you to be employed there, um, then you, you need to do something about it. Well, the first thing that I think you should do, Jamie, if you haven't done it already, um, is put these things to you, to the owner. Right. And I assume there's no human resources, right? It's just, it's, well, it's a no, small it's, company. Yeah. And the owner, I mean, they're like, it's basically, I mean, the, well, the coworkers and the owner are from the same country. So there's a bit of, um, partiality I'm starting to be aware. And he really, it's almost like he is kind of defending them and not really defending me because I'm the victim here. And when you're being bullied or being verbally abused and by somebody yelling at you mm-hmm. and who's making you feel, um, you're feeling intimidated. And, you know, when someone's yelling at you and raising their voice and telling you, oh, you're slow, hurry up. I mean, that is just uh, like not a good feeling to, to be. No, no. And that, and that, that really shouldn't be part of the job, right? Um, now, you want to put these things in writing, and I'll tell you why, though, Jamie, because if you don't then and you later decide that you can't take it anymore, you have to leave and you want to seek a severance package, I can almost guarantee you mm-hmm. that the response that is going to come back from the owner is, well, no, no, we were just engaging in performance management, and this person just was not receptive to critiques. So I think you need to put it in writing. You can do it in a letter. Ideal email, I always say on the show, is the best way to do it because it comes with a timestamp and it's easy to, to keep track of. Well, document, really, yeah, like to document what's going on. Exactly. Document. So you really want to put that to the owner and say, this is what's going on. These are the dates that I have complained. And you haven't done anything about it, and it's making it impossible for me to work here. So, what are you going to do about this? Can you are, are you no. willing to treat me with respect? And if the response that comes back is negative or you are ignored, then to be honest, you're going to have a choice to make, and it's a difficult choice. And you're going to have to do you know what I often call taking the leap, right? You're going to have to decide: have things become so bad that you cannot imagine working there anymore? And if that's the case, then you leave, and then you talk to us, and we talk about trying to get you uh, a severance package, which, again, there's no guarantees in that process. These types of cases tend to be complicated, but if you can prove that it really has become impossible for you to work there, then there's some leverage to negotiate that. Um, Or you may decide, you know what, I don't want to be without an income, so I'm going to stick around. I'm just going to start putting feelers out there and starting to look for another job, which Obviously, that's not the ideal, and it, 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 it's terrible to have these people get away with this. Um, but that's um, you know that's really the only alternative um, if you're not willing to leave, take the risk, and, and, and then try to negotiate a severance package. So the first step, if you haven't already, put it in writing. Uh, and then if you're at the point where you're being forced to basically choose between your mental health um, and your uh, and your job. That's the time to give us a call and talk to us about potentially negotiating a severance package because that's the point where if you're going to be leaving anyway, um, even though there's no guarantees in that in, in getting a severance package, that's the point where we might as well put together all the evidence we can to try and negotiate something for you. Jamie, appreciate the call and your time. Got to take a, a short break to reach out to John and the team. If you're going to move forward, of course, is one eight five five eight two one. 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. Fred, see you there. Stand by. We'll get to you right after the break and lots of time for your calls as well. 416 870 
6400 Monday Night Edition Employment Law Show right here. This is Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. You bet. Welcome back. 722. John Pink is here answering the calls and doing all the heavy lifting as he usually does. 416-870-6400 is promised. Fred, thank you so much for uh, for hanging in there. Good evening. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. How are you? Beauty. What's uh, what's on your mind? Um, yeah, so uh, I worked for a, uh, it was sort of a metal fab. I think they used to make restaurant equipment, to be honest, you know, which is isn't a good trade to be in. But uh, uh, we had, uh, there were maybe about 18 people in the plant. Um, every, you know, pretty much everybody got laid off. Um, and then, you know, I went, uh, I, you know, I tried to call the plant a few times. I went there, uh, the, the buildings for rent. Uh, the phone numbers don't work. And from the rumor is that the owner basically, uh, you know, emptied the bank account and uh, he's gone. Yikes. Okay. Well, Fred, yeah. I, I, I think you need to act here uh, if you want to try and get any compensation for um, for severance. Uh, and I would say that in the circumstances, based on the uh, intel that you're getting from the, uh, from the grapevine, uh, time is not on your side here. Um, so I would strongly recommend that you contact us as soon as possible, no cost to do so, uh, and happy to have a chat with you. Uh, but I think that, that if you want to get anything out of this company, first of all, I wouldn't, I wouldn't assume that, uh, there's nothing there just because you've heard that. And often, you know, I hear people talking about how the, you know, even the company will say we're in receivership or we're going bankrupt or something. And it turns out that's not actually the case. So I would not accept that at face value, but I would also uh, treat it seriously, and I think that this is a this is a time where you need to act fast because it it may already be too late. There may be nothing there, but you never know um, until um, until you try. So I would uh, strongly recommend we get started on that. Yeah, because uh, you know I know it was a um, uh, you know uh, corporation. It was a limited company. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we know that because it you know that was part of its name. But uh, and you know uh, you know it it. it you know, things were not definitely not good. I mean, the layoffs started, you know, about I'd say eight months ago, and they mm-hmm. they just progressed till there was nobody there. Wow. So yeah, yeah. No, that's a, a very unfortunate situation. But um, uh, I, I think if you uh, again, if you want to get any compensation uh, without having to walk away with nothing, um, the time to to get started is now. Time really isn't on your side here. Yeah. No. No. I understand. Okay. Okay. You know what? I, I'm going to listen in. And uh, I'll Google your name. Sounds good. Thanks, Fred. Appreciate that. Uh, and thanks for the uh, the time of the phone call. Uh, anytime you want to reach out to John and the crew, you can do so. one 821 5900 and help at employmentlawyer.ca. Or if you want to go to the website for more 
Just simply uh, go to employmentlawyer.ca, and that'll take you right to the uh, the firm's website as well. 416-870-6400. Lots of time still for you to uh, to chime in and get your calls in here as well. want to move on to this uh, for tonight, John. That is the, uh, the topic in between calls is reasons why people accept bad severance packages. This whole topic is one of the main reasons why, you know, Lior started this show almost nine years ago here on uh, Global News Radio is because there was so much misinformation about that, about this topic, and people accepting bad severance packages thinking that, wow, I got treated really well, I'm going to walk away happy, which they uh, they really shouldn't be. And the the first reason we want to tackle in this regard and this topic is they don't realize they're entitled to more. Even at this point, after all these years on the show, they don't realize they're entitled to more. Right, and, and that's still a very common misconception yep. is that people will go online uh, and rather than going to a severance pay calculator, they'll go somewhere that you know doesn't uh, give them the full information. For example, the Ministry of Labor that can only deal with your minimum entitlements, which really has no relevance when you're looking at a severance package because you need to look at your full entitlements. Uh, and often people say, okay, well, this my employer gave me this severance package. They say uh, there's an employment agreement I signed. Oh, here's the employment agreement I signed. So this is all that I get. Well, often that's not the case. And the only way... Uh, to know that is to give us a call uh, and there's no harm and no cause in doing so you might as well give us a call so we can review uh, that severance package for you well you did mention that ministry of labor and people often you know rely on the advice of the ministry of labor which makes sense it's a job it's their employment they are the ministry of labor that should be the place to go but what is the problem with that for those who don't know already well, the Ministry of Labor is very good for certain things. So if you have a dispute about holiday pay, if you have a dispute about overtime pay, uh, if you have a dispute about outstanding wages of any kind, really, the ministry is a, a pretty streamlined uh, place to go for that, and that's what they are designed to do. But as far as severance entitlements, it's not really what they're designed to do because they can only deal with the bare minimum. They cannot deal with your full entitlements. So someone who works, for example, I, the example I always use is someone who works somewhere for 20 years uh, could be told by the Ministry of Labor they're only entitled to eight weeks pay, but depending on the situation, that per person's same entitlements could be two years pay. So if that person is earning, let's say, $80,000 a year, uh, think about how much that person is going to be throwing away. It's, it's a six-figure number. Uh, all of that because they called the Ministry of Labor instead of speaking with an employment lawyer. So please remember, when it comes to severance, always, always uh, speak to a lawyer, not the Ministry of Labor. Some people will open a file in that regard with the Ministry of Labor. What are the pitfalls of doing that? Well, the pitfalls of doing that is that if you get into that process and the Ministry of Labor investigates and starts uh, dealing with your file, then you can actually be locked in to the Ministry of Labor um, and uh, and once you're locked in, you've made your election, now you can't make a claim for your full entitlements, which of course uh, could be disastrous for you. Now, if you are listening to this and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I've started a claim with the Ministry of Labor, what have I done? Right. Give us a call. Uh, and, and to, to date, uh, all the people who have filed claims with the Ministry of Labor, fortunately not, not very many, uh, I have been able to get them out of that and help them negotiate their full entitlements, but you have to act quickly. You have to act very quickly, so don't wait. If you've done that, make sure you speak to us so that we can make sure that if you're in the wrong place, that we can get you out of there and into the right right forum. Again, in between these uh, these talking points about uh, reasons why people accept bad severance packages, you can call, ask your questions related to these or otherwise, 416 
870-6400. Next time is that uh, they're worried about, I love this one, they're worried about upsetting their employer, soon-to-be ex-employer. But, uh, yeah, sometimes they worry about that, right? Yeah, and on the surface, this you know this this can sound a little bit silly, but I, I understand you know people want to rely on their employer for reference. Uh, they want to they want to be able to move on. They don't want to be stuck in this. And this, the reality is that uh, this is really just a business negotiation, and any employer with a, a good head on their shoulders is going to realize that. They're going to see that. In fact, even some of the more emotional employers will eventually see that. And remember that your employer has an interest in you finding work as soon as possible because the longer you are out of work, the more they are exposed to have to pay you severance. And it's for that reason that usually as a part of negotiations, the employer will offer a reference letter. In fact, sometimes the employer will offer a reference letter without us even asking for it because the the best thing that can happen to them is that you get back on your feet. So uh, you know, with that context, usually people understand that there, there's there's really, uh, as a practical matter, uh, there isn't a downside to making sure that you get something more adequate because the more your employer pushes back on your ability to find work, the more they're going to owe you. It's a lose-lose for them. Yeah. Again, 416-870-6400 is the way you call through. Number Another reason why people accept bad severance packages, how about this one, the deadline, the deadline in the termination letter only gave them two weeks. At best, sometimes it's, you know, Friday at 4, you know, Monday at 5, you got to have this back to us. What do you say about that? Well, I'm going to tell you a, a, a not-so-secret secret. I say not-so-secret because I've probably said it on half a dozen shows, and, and I tell people this all the time. Uh that I've written termination letters. Um, I advised employers. I've written many termination letters. Um, and I have never written a termination letter that did not include a deadline. Never. And the reason for that is because uh, if, you know, if I'm helping you out and you're an employer, you're, what are you going to tell me? You're going to tell me that you want this closed as soon as possible. You know, sure. as an employee, you feel like I just need this done. I just need this done. And the employer can, can just let this linger as long as possible. Well, not so because the employer has to deal with legal fees. They have to deal with increased liability the longer the thing uh, goes on for. Employers really do have a rational interest in getting this thing resolved as soon as possible. And if you don't sign and the employer knows that you're going to be negotiating because you've now come with, you know, from SD Law, they're going to have even more incentive to have you sign that release. Uh, so while I can't prevent your employer from doing something incredibly foolish like changing the severance offer, reducing it because you didn't sign, this is just something that we don't see happen because from the employer's perspective, it makes no sense. What's the deadline that matters? Two years from the date you get your notice of termination. That's the one you've got to think about. So you can basically ignore it and uh, go call you and do what you should be doing, your due diligence before you sign anything, right? Just ignore that. Uh, it's, it's not as if, you know, the chances are they owe you much more than they've offered you. So the deadline, you know, by this deadline, watch out. We're not going to offer you what we're supposed to give you anyway. It doesn't make any sense. You're, you're owed more. So why would they care about a deadline? Right. Yeah, typically, you know, if you've got if you've got a termination letter, it's got a one week deadline. Usually, we're going to be able to talk to you before that deadline uh, expires, and your employer really should be giving you an opportunity to speak with a lawyer before that deadline expires. Because if they don't, they're they're basically coercing you. Um, but even if it's not practical for you to meet that deadline, but you really think you need to speak with a, an employment lawyer, which in, in virtually all cases you should be, uh, just as a courtesy, I recommend just telling your employer, I'm going to need a little bit more time. That's perfectly fine. 
Yeah, and most of these things are kind of a moot point when it comes to more sophisticated employers. They know these things are expecting you uh, to come back and you know play a little ball with them. Another reason why uh, people accept these bad severance packages, John, is that you know that term "cause" they were terminated for cause. So I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the bad guy. There's no way I'm going to get any more. I I see yes, and I, I see terminations for cause obviously very frequently, and most of the time those allegations of cause are not legitimate. And in fact. Uh, Many examples of termination for cause, particularly when there's allegations of poor performance, are just outrageously weak uh, allegations, outrageously weak allegations, and in fact, make the case for severance even more sympathetic than it would be had it not been just cause. I'd say, you know, maybe one out of ten, uh, if not one out of a hundred cases that, that uh, come across my desk are actually proper terminations for cause. It is very, very rare. So if you've been terminated for cause, that is the, the time you most need to speak uh, with an employment lawyer, especially because you have absolutely nothing to lose uh, because your employer is probably offering you very little or, or nothing. It's a very high threshold to reach, isn't it? Oh, so high, so high. I mean, they have to prove that your actions were so extreme <sighs> that you had shown no interest in, in, in continuing the employment relationship, and you had what we call repudiated the employment relationship such that it was impossible for you to work there anymore. Impossible. That, that, that not only had you engaged in misconduct, but that some lesser form of, of uh, discipline, like, like a suspension or, or a written warning uh, or a more serious written warning, that wouldn't have been enough. And that is just so, so hard to establish for an employer. I think a lot of it too is, you know, employers are, are kind of, they're, they're working the odds that, you know, maybe eight out of 10 people, if they've done something minor, that does not rise to the level of cause, but they get let go for cause. They're going to think, yeah, my bad, I'm guilty. I'm not going to bother fighting this thing. And they're going to walk away, right? Money saved by the employer. Right, right. Because unless you've done something uh, very, very serious, fraud, theft, uh, you know, very serious dishonesty, that kind of thing. Then your employer, they're, they're, they're bluffing. They are playing you. And don't let them play you. Give us a call so we can talk about this because this, this, we could be talking about a lot of money and you're going to need it if you're out of work. Yeah. And you can still talk, call here. You got lots of, lots of time. 416 870 6400. Hey, Ronnie, thanks for uh, hanging on. Good evening. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. What's up? Yeah. Uh, I'm working for, the, like, basically for this sanitary company. And we usually doing our work by like uh, traveling to the buildings, and now they want to make some changes starting from the uh, July. And I'm not comfortable to do that due to this pandemic, and it's a safety concern. So I don't know if I'm able to quit or. Sir, what what kind of company did you say you're working for? It's uh. It's a it's a hygiene company like we doing like uh, the, okay, and and what are the nature of the changes that they're talking it's, about? It's like a sanitary bins. We put them in the ladies' washroom. So now they want before we used to do it like just to drop the mm-hmm. clean one and remove the dirty one. Now mm-hmm. they want us like to change the covers in the washroom and. Those bins are containing like uh, liquid, and I'm not comfortable to do that. Like, right? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing that you need to do is to raise your concern to the company yeah. if you haven't done so already. 
and, and you kind of just escalate it up the chain, right? If your supervisor doesn't do anything, and the human resources doesn't do anything, and upper management doesn't do anything, the next thing that you can do uh, is make an occupation, a workplace health and safety complaint, which you can do online on the Ministry of Labor's website. And if you just Google a workplace health and safety complaint, very user-friendly, there's a form you can fill out. The next thing that will happen is an inspector will attend the workplace. Uh -huh. and, if the ins and if the inspector deems that um, the workplace is unsafe, they will be required to fix it and they can't let you go until they fix it or come up with an arrangement that is safe. Now, if the uh, inspector deems that it is a safe workplace um, and you decide you don't want to go back anyway, you can do that, uh -huh. but then it'll be a resignation. You won't have any entitlement to severance if you do that. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay, so if that's uh, that sounds like a plan. Hopefully, the Ministry of Labor can uh, uh, straighten things out, and uh, maybe it's not a perfect solution, but something that makes you a little bit more comfortable about going, or maybe they can work out some kind of compromise. Ronnie, appreciate the call, and uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. It's uh, 7.38. We still have some time here to get your calls in. If you have some questions uh, for John, you can, you can lay them on us. If not, we're going to continue with our uh, topic for the night, and that is reasons why people accept bad severance packages. We hate this. And uh, this is another one that people realize is simply not true. They they don't want to call. They figure, hey, I can't afford to pay legal fees. I'm not going to pursue this. Yeah, you know, the reality is that negotiating a severance package doesn't often have to involve an investment. Sometimes it does, okay? Sometimes people come to us with very complex situations, and we, you know, it may require a paid consultation to go through it uh, and really delve through the issues. But most of the time, uh, it doesn't. Uh, if we're talking about, you know, simple termination um, where we're just talking about the severance package, uh, that would be owed. So often uh, you can speak with us uh, for free. Um, and often we can also, depending on the situation, uh, offer a variety of different retainers, some of which don't require any investment at all. Because the last, I always tell my clients, the last thing that I want to do is have legal fees stand in the way of a legal entitlement because there are ways around that and we're here to help and as you can you gotta you gotta remember that most people we deal with have just lost their primary source of income right so by definition we have to have mechanisms in place to deal with people who don't have the financial resources to invest in legal fees and we absolutely do where the circumstances uh, are appropriate so speak to us there's no harm in finding out that uh, number, by the way, to reach out afterwards, one 821 5900 Hi, Neil. Thank you for calling in tonight. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yourself? Good, sir. What's uh, what's going on? What's on your mind? Well, what's, what's happened is I have a neighbor who works at a long-term, um, it's a senior's residence, and what's happened is over the last year, they've had to wear the blue mask that we all wear, and occasionally they've also had to wear the visor as well, all part of the situation. Um Last week now, um, they've received about a five- or a six-page form uh, that, that's entitled Request for Mask Fitting. And what the company wants to do is now fit them with the N95 mask, which to me seems kind of curious considering we're at the back end of all this. But anyway, so um, a part of the, uh, the forms asking some reasonably detailed um, medical information like your height, your weight, um, have you ever smoked, when was the last time you smoked, some other things like that. I'm just wondering what right the company has to ask for that type of medical information 
when if all they're going to be doing is fitting a, like an N95 mask to their faces, I've seen a lot of people out here with N95s anyway. Um, why the big uh, problem in demanding all that medical information? Um, that I guess that's my question. Do they have the right to do that? It, you know, it, it, it may in fact be overbroad. My only hesitation here is there have been specific orders issued by the provincial government with respect to long-term care homes because of, of what they've gone through over the past yeah. uh, 15 months. Um, and so uh, it, 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 may be the, it may be relating to that. Uh, so for instance, long-term care homes um, are required uh, basically to wear surgical uh, procedure masks at all times, right? There's, there's very little room, in fact, for those long-term care homes to have discretion in that. But, you know, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden all the employee's entire medical file um, is open uh, for the employer to know. And, uh, you know, I agree that based on what you described, uh, it doesn't, it, it does sound overbroad and there are privacy um, obligations that an employer has uh, to employees. And, and we could, to be honest, we could probably do a whole show about that and, and maybe we should one day. Um, but in, in, the, in the circumstances, I think the first thing that should be done is asking, why is it that you need this information? You know, especially if uh, your neighbor is being cooperative, saying, yeah, of course, I'll, I'll wear the N95, I'm fine with that. Um, I just, I don't understand why this information is necessary. And uh, people are rightfully concerned because sometimes people will experience, even though it's illegal, even though it's not supposed to happen, people can experience differential treatment because they have a certain condition, uh, particularly in this environment where everyone's kind of on edge. So I, I think it's a legitimate concern. I think it should be raised um, with uh, with the company, um, and if not, I think it's it's uh, it maybe the kind of situation where you go to the appropriate government ministry and say this is what's going on, um, and uh, this this really just seems overbroad. Yeah, there, there's nothing. <clears throat> I, I don't recall on the form that they, they want the employee's signature. You know, after a certain section of, uh, I don't know what. Do you wait? Do you smoke? And all that sort of thing. Then they want to see. I don't know why they want a signature. What what kind of struck me was request for fitting for for you know a surgical or an N95 mask. And and I guess because I'm not part of that, my, my questions are, are my concerns are, are exactly what you've said as well. And the other thing is why would you? Um, uh, it's not a request. It's actually a demand for information. I mean the request isn't. They're making it sound like it's the employees that are requesting to have this done to them, and they're not. It's actually the other way around. And, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe we're talking semantics here, but this is not a request, you know. And, and then to demand that type of information, um, as I say, uh, just, it just it, it seems overbearing to, in order to have a nurse come in and say, okay, that's how it fits on. Why do you have to know, why do you have to know if you have uh, certain... Uh, dental issues, all of these things, to me, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, well, this I, I think that this this is probably going to engage issues that are going to be too complicated for us to uh, go over in the, the few minutes we have left today. But, you know, there is something called the Personal Health Information Protection Act, um, and this uh, situation would seem to engage um, 
that that legislation because if it's overbroad, um, then that that's going to be outside of uh, what they're permitted to do, even if they are one of these very very sensitive employers. Um, so it's not clear to me why they would enti be entitled to that level of information, and I I think that at the very least the question should be asked and and potentially a complaint made if if they're insisting on it. And that is the way we will leave it for tonight. Appreciate all the calls. You want to uh, reach out to John and his team now that we are done for the evening. Here is how you do it. Really simple. Write it down if you don't know it already. one 821 5900 That is the way. Email. Always an option. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca uh, is the website to go with tons of information. Absolutely free and anonymous. Severance pay calculator there as well. We'll catch you next time. Employment Law Show. Stick around, though. On Point is coming right back. This is Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio.